Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blaze Experience once again. If you're joining us today, you're coming in for episode number 42. And episode 42 today is going to be going back to Sea of Thieves once again. If you listened to our last Sea of Thieves episode, we talked about Forsaken Shores, which is the newest DLC for Sea of Thieves at this time. But part of this DLC wasn't actually released yet. Cargo Runs, which is a new type of mission or a new type of voyage that you can do for the Merchants Alliance, that was just released this past week. So we're going to talk about the Cargo Runs. But before we get into that, just a couple of notes at the top of the podcast really quick. Number one, we're going to have a State of Decay episode on Saturday, as we always do. So our next episode will be a State of Decay-themed episode on Saturday. And then our next stream, I had to kind of change the date and time of the stream because I've been waiting on this Generation Zero beta. Basically, this beta is going to start on Wednesday, but I found out that that is only for select people. The rest of the people is going to start on Thursday. So the stream will now be on Thursday. It's likely going to be um, 8 a.m. to 10.45 a.m. Eastern, and then I'll probably try and stream it again later in the day, and then I'll also try and stream it on Friday as well. So I'm going to try and stream it as much as I can Thursday and Friday and give everyone a good look at that beta. You know, It should be a great game, and I'm really excited to play that game, so that'll be our next stream. But without further ado, we do have a guest on this episode, and it's a familiar guest, but it's a guest you haven't heard from a little bit. You know, this guy is actually the most prolific guest on the podcast that has been on here, I think, eight times now, counting to this time. Please welcome back to the podcast, Monty. How are you, Monty? Hello. I'm back. Finally. You are back. Yes. <laughs> no oh, one stole yes. your title yet, so. <laughs> yes. Yes. I got to Eight's a good number, but I got to keep going, you know? Exactly. I mean... You last heard Monty on episode number 25, which is about Vermintide. And for anyone that doesn't know, that was actually a month ago yesterday. So it's literally been a month since you've heard Monty. So, you know, Monty, where have you been? Oh, I've, 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 I've been busy. I mean, I've moved to London. That's been a big thing. Um, so Definitely. So it's been packing, moving, unpacking, uh, sort of just like finding a new area, all of that. So, you know, that's cool, that's cool. Um, but sort of, I've been doing a course up here, sort of, you know, all of that. I've just been sort of busy with moving in and out. That's <laughs> uh, sort of been my last month. But it sounds like the move and everything went pretty well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's... It, it did, yeah. No, I mean, I'd imagine you'll know if a move went bad because you can say <laughs> it went bad. Yes. Which I don't think I can say. So, yes, it went well. Or if you move and, you know, you get kicked out, like, the first week or something. Oh, yeah, no. I'd, I'd <laughs> That'd be that bad. So falls under a bad move. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm glad the move went well. You know, it, it's been a little while since we talked on the podcast. So I'm definitely glad to have you back on here. Yeah. No, it's, it's good to be back. And for anyone that remembers, Monty's actually talked Sea of Thieves with us quite a few times. But it's actually been a while since we talked Sea of Thieves, too. Do you remember the last time we talked Sea of Thieves, Monty? It it must have been before Hungry Indeed. It was or just must have been around then because we we were talking about different types of ships we'd like to see. What sort of enemy would be in Hungry Indeed? Uh, both of which I think I did say I wanted a medium ship, and it was going to be a massive ass shark. Yeah, so. you, you did mention the shark, and you did call that right. So good job calling that shark. 
<laughs> you know, I don't want to say that I'm the first person you should come to for CFP's leaks, but uh, I'm good at guessing. <laughs> well, you know, if I'm the first, if you're the first person I should go to for CFP's leaks, then maybe I should have went to you sooner because the last time we actually talked CFP's was way back on episode nine. It's been that long. And that was literally April 22nd. So it, it's been months since we yeah. talked Sea of Thieves together. <laughs> Doesn't feel like that long. It, it does not, no. I mean, but we definitely played together since then. We just haven't talked about it on oh, the yeah. podcast, so. Yeah. No, we, we played together a few times since then. And a little inside baseball for everyone. The last episode on Forsaken Shores, Monty was actually supposed to be on that one as well, but some things came up. So he was supposed to be on that one as well with us. I, I wish I could have been. But I wasn't. But he's here today. He joined us today. So yes, I'm here. I'm uh, at last, and everyone can appreciate me again. Yes, at last he has returned. Anyway, enough about me. We we're, we're here to talk about something. Yeah, we're going to talk about some Forsaken Shores. So you know, first of all, you know, what's your impressions on Forsaken Shores? I mean, this is the newest DLC, and. We haven't really talked about your impressions yet, so you don't want to give the listeners your impressions on Forsaken Shores overall? I mean, I'm glad that there's sort of like these new islands. I feel like having the old islands, just adding new content to the old islands, it sort of... I'm just glad that there's a bit of a sort of setting change. Like, you know, there was all the old islands, all the original ones, but just shoving more in there, it just felt like a shallow addition to content. You know, like, you know, they added a whole bunch of cool things, like the Cursed Cannonballs as a suite, um, the Brigantine, um, so many things. But it was all in the same place. And I feel like, sort of, what, sort of obviously, Forsaken Shores, it brings this new area with this new aesthetic and some new features. And sort of, it, it's a well-needed sort of refresher. No, I definitely agree, because... We got so used to those old islands because, you know, those are the only islands we've ever known. So even though they're interesting in their own ways, it was really cool to get some new islands and some new mechanics. Do you want to mention how you feel about the new mechanics overall? Like, say, the geysers, the volcanoes, things like that? Yeah. My, my one comment, those volcanoes, they erupt far too often. Like, <laughs> I, I've had situations where I've been going to one island, it started erupting. So I went to a different island. And then that started erupting. So I went back to the other island, which had stopped erupting. And by the time I got there, it was erupting again. If it's just you on a sloop, uh, or just like one or two of you having things erupting that often, it's a real pain. Sort of, especially with the reach of of some of the volcanoes. No, and I can definitely understand that. I mean, I can't say that I've experienced it solo or uh, on a sloop yet. So I'm sure it's a lot harder on that. When I went to Forsaken Shores to try it out, it was with the Galleon. So I think on a Galleon, it's a little bit better because you have more hands. And not only that, you can at least plan a little bit better because you can have, you know, one guy stay on the ship just in case or something like that. De- definitely easier on a Galleon. But given like each sort of hit gives you two or three holes, if it's just you, you know, even, you know, you take one hit, you have to stop to fix the holes. And in that time, you probably take another two hits, which, you know. It, it just means that you on your own have to balance sort of six to nine holes, which if you're right. a galleon, you know, you've got more room where you can take on water. You've got some more leverage with it and you have more people you can fix. But if it's just you, it's just like, 
really hard. Yeah, and that's why I'm glad that when I tried it, I actually had someone with me that had already experienced the region a little bit. Um, I'll give another shout out to El Jobadiah, who's one of my friends. But he had already experienced the region a little bit, and he kind of gave us the warning that, okay, we need to keep this ship parked far enough away from the volcano. That way it doesn't get hit. So we actually parked our ship far enough away, and then we sailed in the rowboat. Yeah, rowboats. That is one of my favorite things of the uh, of the of the DLC so far. They are so cool. I'm glad they're finally here. And that they are everything I could have ever asked. And it's really funny with the rowboats too, because it was actually by mistake when it happened. But honestly, way back in I believe episode one of the podcast, I mentioned that rowboats were coming. So you know, it, it took a while, but <laughs> we've been talking about came. rowboats for a long, long time. Yes. And then here we are, episode forty-two, and we finally have them. Yes, I mean, if you go back and listen to the old episodes. There's definitely a lot of episodes that we mentioned rowboats. It was never confirmed back then. I thought I had seen an article at one point, but I think the person like accidentally leaked it or they weren't sure what they were talking about and they like then deleted their article. But I definitely saw an article about it. So that's why I mentioned it way back then. And then ever since then, since I saw it mentioned, I'm like, oh, I really want rowboats now. Like, that's such a cool idea. And now it finally came. So I'm really glad we have it now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure there was like concept art of it or something like that. So, like, it hinted towards it being a thing. Yeah, and um, in the art book, too, I covered this in the art book episode I did. But in the art book, there's actually evidence that there's going to be rowboats in the art book. So there was evidence already there. So that's where I think the article probably came from. Because before the art book came out, there was some kind of article mentioning rowboats. And I think that's where it came from, probably. Somebody probably saw the art book earlier or something. Must have been something like that. But they are... Rowboats are incredibly useful. If you if you find one, you know, sort of get it because it sort of you know it's just really useful for ferrying for sort of to and from your ship. And as Derek mentioned, in sort of uh, in the forsaken shores, avoiding all of the volcanoes, getting to and from places with the rowboat is you know easier. You're less likely to crash your boat into islands uh, because you don't need to get it so close which is something I'm not very good at. <laughs> um, and then obviously it has its storage, so it's really useful for sort of just getting items to and from places. Um, you know, I'd imagine this would be quite useful with um, skeleton ports as well. Because you can have sort of... That's true, yeah, you can ferry things over. Just dump it all in the rowboat and then ferry it over. But even having a source of like all your bananas in one place... On the island, so you can have a whole bunch of them nearby, right? Because sort of doing skeleton forts, bananas is often a desired luxury. Yeah, because I know in our um, run the other day, we actually brought the robot over to the island, and then we put some chests on there. So it definitely makes you know carrying chests and things easier. You can just take a large haul back to your ship at once. Yeah, and sort of getting all the loot from the skeleton fort, you know, you can do it rather than how you used to have to do it with. Getting a chain going of someone taking it out of the room, somebody taking it to the shore, someone taking it to the ship, something like that. You can just do it all in one run. So, you know, Although I will rowboat. say, if you're using a rowboat and you're going to the new region, Devil's Roar, don't do what I did. Like the first time I ever uh, drove a rowboat or technically sailed it, whatever you want to call it. The first time I did that, I actually parked it right on top of a geyser. 
So, and it just ruined the robo. Like, pretty much instantly, the robo sank. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen because that was like before I even knew, you know, what geysers did. Like, I was just brand new to the whole region. I literally drive the robo right up on the shore and then a geyser takes it out. <laughs> the first thing I did on an island was jump on a geyser and have it send me into the air. It's fun, isn't it? The first time. The first time was really fun, but then once you hit the ground, it's like, oh, that's not as fun anymore. Because <laughs> then you realize how much damage it does. You can't. I mean, unless someone knows something I don't know, but I don't know of any way to repair them. So so pretty much if your robot gets ruined, then you have to find a new one. He's fair enough. Yeah, which that's what we had to do. And, you know, when I we played with the Galleon, because we lost that robot, so we had to find a new one. Which I, I guess I can't be too hard on myself because I mean I had never seen a geyser before, so I, how could I have known that I parked on a geyser? So, <laughs> well, the point is get a robot. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which um, I'm not sure if you noticed too, but they recently had a new patch that um, seemed like it fixed some things. Because when I last tried the rowboats before we played together, the rowboats had like an issue where when you sat in the rowboat you'd be sitting like halfway inside the rowboat, so you couldn't even see over the rowboat that much. When we played together, I didn't see that happen that much, so I think they fixed that. I can't say I experienced that at all in my many shenanigans with the rowboat. Yeah, so I, I think they must have fixed that then, because it was really funny. Like, you just sit in the rowboat, and you'd be halfway in the rowboat, so all you could see was your head. Like, literally, all you could see was your head, because you just kind of glitch into the rowboat itself. I mean, I guess it's a good way to review your character model. <laughs> I guess so. No, the robots are very glitchy, but it, it seems like they fixed those a lot more now, which is nice. So I'm glad about that. Yes, no, I'm I'm glad that those are working properly now because it was a lot of fun using them. And have you hit all the islands yet? Because I know there's combinations for like finding each island and getting doubloons that way. Um, I don't think I have. No, I've I've been to a good chunk, but sort of. Yeah, I still have to hit some more, too. I, I haven't had the time to visit every island, but I definitely want to do that at some point, because I have some more islands to hit. Yeah, no, it's sort of... I haven't been to all of them, but it's sort of even just being in the area, it's really interesting and really cool, sort of with the contrast between the normal area and then the Forsaken Shores. But I'd like to get your opinion on something, actually. I talked about it with Meter in the last episode. In the Devil's Roar New Region, there's only one outpost. In all the other regions in Sea of Thieves, there's two outposts, so... What is your kind of thoughts on that? Because I had said to Meter that I don't really like that there's only one over there because it makes everyone go to the same outpost. I think there should be two over in that region still. Yeah, I mean, sort of, we, we definitely talked about this sort of whilst playing the other day. Um, sort of like uh, a, a lot of people are currently in sort of Sacred and Devil's Roar. Sort of, there's lots of people there because it's a new area. Um, so obviously, if you're there, you're going to chance I'll be facing some kind of PvP um, due to the concentration of people. Um, but obviously one outpost, it just ferries people into one place, uh, so it only sort of further encourages this. So sort of, it, it seems like it's generally a very hostile environment with you know lots of people right. there, concentrated PvP, uh, you know, hard to get past the environmental hazards as well. Uh, it's just generally a hostile area. Yeah, because I know what happened to us is 
since there's only one outpost, we went back to the outpost at the end of our like session to cash in all our treasure and everything. And there were ships just waiting there for ships to show up. So like, I think that's the problem you find when there's only one outpost there is that people will just literally camp the outposts. And I don't really like the idea of camping an outpost. I mean, like, it's fine to, you know, attack somebody at an outpost or chase them to an outpost or whatever you want to do. But I think it's kind of a little bit petty to camp an outpost. Yeah, it it does somewhat encourage things like galleons just camping it. Um, but I suppose sort of maybe what you want to do with the Devil's Roar is almost do hit and run sort of missions with it. Like go in there, do your missions, then go out like back into the wilds to find an outpost there where it's slightly safer. Right. And I, I think it could have been something along the lines of balance when Rare did this because I'm not sure you've noticed too in the Devil's Roar you actually get a lot more gold for stuff. So I, it might have been something in like balance because the region's so dangerous and you get a lot more gold for it. So they could have put one outpost there just to balance it a little bit more because I've heard a lot of players aren't having a lot of PvP in that area. So it might be some way that they wanted to encourage a little bit more PvP by putting one outpost. Yeah, no, it, it does very much seem to be sort of high-risk, high-reward high area. Definitely. Which I had mentioned to Meter, I mean, I guess if you really want to, you could sail over to Ancient Spire, because that's the next nearest outpost, but it, it's kind of a little bit of a long journey if you want to go all the way to Ancient Spire, just avoid that outpost, but, I mean, if you're really worried about it, I guess you could do that, though. I mean, I suppose if you went in, or somehow just managed to get to that one outpost, briefly got a bunch of missions, um, you know, if you if you have a galleon, if all of you bought all gold hoardings, so then you could just go out for ages, do all of that, then you could take those out of Devil's Roar to a place that's safer to turn them in, so you won't be camped the second that you go to turn them in. Right, that's true as well. You know, but then you, yeah, but it, it's going to be dangerous to do missions there either way. But overall, before we get into cargo runs, how do you feel about Forsaken Shores compared to Hungering Deep and Cursed Sails? Do you feel like this is a better DLC, or... Did you like one of the other ones better? I think it, it's hard to say what's a better DLC, because it's a different DLC. Those were both sort of um, enemy DLC. They added sort of right. new sort of AI, NPCs, sort of stories for you to interact with. Or to, inter to interact with. Um, whereas this, you know, it adds more of a new area, and it's more of an expansionary DLC, if you, if you know what I mean. So it's quite hard to compare them, um, whilst it'd be easier to compare Hungry Deep and Forsaken, uh, not Forsaken Shores, Cursed Sails, because they both had like, the new enemy, you, you got Megalodon and the skeleton ship, whereas here, uh, it's just harder to compare it to. No, I, I definitely understand that, and I, I think you're right in saying that it's hard to say better. It's probably... a more apt thing to say that it's... It, it added what the game's... It added what the game needed. Right, yeah. It's a little bit more in-depth, and it just provides a little bit more compelling nature. That's what I'm going to look for. So I think it's more compelling with this DLC than the other ones, because this offers more opportunity to explore, more opportunity to, you know, switch things up, because there's the new mechanics like volcanoes, the rowboats. So I think it's more compelling that this DLC offers more options to you, because the other DLC is like, okay, go fight this, you're done. Go fight this, you're done. So I think this is more compelling of a DLC. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. But like we said, we're going to get in some cargo runs. So we, we both did um, do some cargo runs together. I think we got a lot of good experience with that. We played for a couple hours doing just cargo runs, and I think it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I, I 
I actually really enjoyed cargo runs. They they were good. Um, I agree. A, a, lot, and... better, a lot better than the, the alternatives. No, definitely. I think this is a really cool new thing for the Merchants Alliance. And for anyone that doesn't know already, cargo runs basically offer three new types of items that you have to actually ferry from person to person. So we'll kind of get into those. But basically with cargo runs, what you have to do is you either get a message in a bottle or you go to a merchant and you actually buy the voyage from them. And the cargo run has you go pick up items from NPC and take them to another NPC. So it could be, you know, take this item from this NPC at an outpost to another NPC at a random island, or it could be like a random sea post, but it'll tell you where to go. And then you have a contract of how long to actually get the item to somebody. But what I really loved the most about cargo runs is that when you actually have the mission in your like wheel of missions, so say you like got a message in a bottle and this is mission popped up, until you actually pick up the items from the NPC, the timer doesn't start. So the contract will not expire if you don't pick up the items first. Once you pick up the items, that's when it expires afterwards. Yeah, no, sort of that. That's definitely a really good thing because it puts it a bit more in line with the other, the sort of the gold hoarders and the order. Uh, sort of like you know those you could just have in your inventory and you could do them when you want uh, and you sort of didn't have to rush them take your time and have your fun whereas with the old merchant alliance ones they they were all very you need to do this by this time um so sort of you couldn't just go out buy a bunch and just go sail and do them all at once you had to be sort of careful with when you were buying them and starting them just because you know there were those time limits. Um, whereas now, where that's a, that only comes in later on, once you're actively doing the mission, sort of, it it just sort of feels a bit more relaxed. No, I, I definitely agree, and that's kind of what I like about it is that you can kind of just do a bunch of them at once. So it's really nice to do a bunch of them at once like that because kind of like you were saying with the old merchant missions, like getting chickens and things, you always had to go back to an outpost. What's kind of cool about the cargo runs as well is. You don't always have to go back to an outpost. You can just go to wherever it tells you to go. So instead of going to an outpost where everyone's going anyways, you can go to a random island, get the gold at that random island, and get some reputation there. So it's really nice because it offers you a better opportunity to get gold and rep without always having to go to an outpost. And I really like that because it's especially good for people on sloops, I would say. So for solo players or for people on sloops that are in duos, I think this is like the best thing you can do is cargo runs because it's something really quick and easy. You can take the item from one island to the next and basically get your gold and you don't have to go to an outpost where a galleon might be camping the outpost. Yeah, you yeah, know, sort of, uh, I definitely agree with that. I'd, I'd imagine Brigantine might struggle a bit more due to sort of the nature of the boat and how sort of some of the restrictions you have to keep with some of the items. So like um, with the uh, with the galleon, you've got your three decks, um, sort of, and the same with the sloop too. Yeah, and sloop, you've got your three. Um, so it gives you, it's almost like the three, or you know, different places you want to keep your sort of items. Whereas on the brigantine, you've only got the two. It's either on deck or below deck. Um, and for example, with the cloth, you know, um, you you don't want it above deck because if you accidentally go into a storm then it's going to get damp which sort of will go a bit more into about that um, but if it's below deck if you get into a fight and uh, you take on a bit of water again it's going to get damp 
Whereas with the sloop, you've got that middle deck where it can be protected from the rain and from sort of water coming on from being hit. And again, with the galleon, you've got the middle deck or the captain's sort of quarters. So sort right. of, I'd, I'd imagine that the brigantine is just a bit less ideal for. No, I, I definitely agree with you. And I, th- I think like experienced pirates, I mean, honestly, I don't even know if I could do this. Like it'd be more experienced people than me even. Like they could figure out ways to do it on a brig still, but on the brig, like you say, it's really hard because you only have two decks. So basically, if you're trying to keep like your cloth, for example, from getting wet, then it's really hard to do that sometimes because you have to probably put it below deck. But if you put it below deck and you take a cannonball, then it's going to get wet. So there's really nowhere to hide things on the brig as much. So I think the brig is good for some things, but for cargo runs specifically, I think it's not as good for cargo runs. But since we started talking about the cloth, we can probably start with the cloth and talk about that. So there's three different items you can uh, transport from one place to the next. One of those is crates of luxurious cloth. And basically, like we were saying, these you need to make sure they don't get wet. So these you want to keep dry at all costs. So if it's a storm then you want to keep it out of the rain of the storm, you want to keep it you know, away from your lower deck where you're going to take cannonball damage. And basically, in general, you just have to keep it from getting wet and... We actually figured out because we tested it. These have three different stages of value. So if it's undamaged or there's no water that gets to it at all and you go to sell it to the person that wants it, then it's worth 350 gold. The next stage is if it gets a little bit wet, like say you get it wet once, then it becomes wet cloth. And the wet cloth, we didn't actually cash it in. So I'm not sure how much gold exactly it is, but I would say it's probably about 200. So I think they knock off about like 150 for that with three stages. And the worst... I, I think we did turn one in at one point, but I can't remember the exact value. I think it was around 200 gold. Yeah, I, I think it's about that, yeah. Because the other, the rum we're going to get to later that has exact values because we know like it goes down by a certain amount each time. But this one, I'm not sure how much the cloth went down, but it goes down by like 100, 150. So it might be like 250 gold. It might be 200. It, it's around there, though. It's basically halfway between the undamaged one and the worst level which the worst level is the waterlogged cloth. The waterlogged cloth is basically, if it's really soaked, then it's only worth 50 gold. So it's pretty much worth nothing because you basically ruined the cloth. So essentially it's like this person's like, well, you brought me the cloth, but it's kind of ruined. So here's 50 bucks, just get out of my way. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, one interesting thing with the cloth is that it's not just every time you go into the water, it it gets worse. So for example... If you stayed underwater with it, that wouldn't count as one thing and just come out wet. It, there is sort of a progressive amount it gets sort of damper. So if you just stayed underwater with it, even if it's only one time, that can go all the way to waterlogged. Water right, because we did yeah. test this, because you jumped in with the fresh crate of cloth that was perfectly normal, and then you stayed underwater for a little bit, and it went to waterlogged. And then I did try as... Yeah, I tried to... um stay underwater until I was drowning just to see if it went past waterlogged, but it is not. So waterlogged is the worst one it can get. So, but like, you know, Monty was saying here, if you go underwater long enough, then it's going to go to waterlogged very fast. So you have to make sure it barely hits water. Yeah. So if for whatever reason you do have to go underwater with it, you know, try and keep it brief. Because then you'll only be losing out sort of minimal amounts of gold rather than quite a lot. But I'll definitely say this one seems to be um, kind of tough to actually get back there unscathed. Because I remember there was one point you were carrying a crate of cloth and you said that you didn't even go underwater and it still became wet cloth. 
yeah, so sort of this this is another point where um, rowboats come in sort of really useful because uh, obviously you can jump on them uh, and get it to the ship. Um, but obviously, if you don't have one, you'll have to swim. Now, swimming normally, if you keep it above the water, um, if, uh, generally it doesn't get wet. But I, I was just swimming through the water. I don't know if I looked down or something and that angled it down into it. Um, but for whatever reason, I stayed above the water, but it still got wet. Yeah, and one thing I actually heard, I'll give credit to Captain Logan on the Keelhaul podcast. One thing that I noticed that he also mentioned on his podcast is with the cloth and also the rum that we'll talk about soon, you want to make sure that you're not jumping off your boat because if you jump off your boat, you're going to sink under the water and that's going to get that cloth wet. But if you go down your ladder, that's a, you know, less of a decline and it's not going to jump you all the way into the water. So if you go down your ladder, that's a lot safer to take the cloth that way or take the rum that way because it's not going to shake the rum. And it's also not going to get the cloth as wet. So I, I think it's probably dangerous to swim the cloth overall. Like you're much better off if you can park your ship close enough to a dock that we can just jump off the dock. Or if you use a rowboat, like you said. But I, I think it is possible to swim it to wherever you need to go. It's just probably hard to keep it up above water. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I, I do remember one of the first times we did it, I went into the water with it. And I sold it for the 350. So it, it definitely has to be possible to keep it above water. Just it's probably really easy to make a mistake and go below water. Yeah, you, you just need to be a bit careful with it. Right, exactly. But I started to mention the rum, so we can kind of get into that next. The crates of rum. This is something that you want to make sure you don't shake, because if you shake this, then it'll break. And it's very, very sensitive because something as little as Jumping off a dock onto your ship, that can crack it a little bit. So it's very, very sensitive. But this, unlike the cloth, actually has four stages of value. So this goes from undamaged, which is worth 350 gold. Then it goes to cracked. So it's cracked bottles of rum, which is worth 250 gold. If it gets shaken a little bit more, it's called splintered rum. And then it's 150 gold. And then if you continue to shake it even more, then it's broken. And then it's worth 50. Yeah, the, the rum is... Sort of, it's uh, it's again a very fickle one. Um, so, like, if you dock slightly wrong, um, that that can damage them down to cracked. Shoot if they get shot, you know that takes them down a level as well. So you don't want to be getting into combat with them because it's then even dropping them to fight the person that could crack them. Fortunately, you don't lose as much money with these. So, sort of. Even turning in cracked ones, you're still going to get 250 gold. If you're if you've got four of those, because generally a cargo run, you'll get four um, crates. Uh, that's still like a thousand gold, you know? and that that's right. a lot more than a, sort of say a gold hoarder's mission may get you, where that might get you sort of two crate or two chests each worth around sort of maybe 300, if they're sort of reasonable. So sort of, this is a good way of getting money, even if they get slightly damaged. No, I would agree with that, because you can get them done really fast. And I would kind of say, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I think the rum is a little bit easier to manage than the cloth is, because, like, in order to get to the broken state, we literally pulled out our guns to shoot the bottles. And that's how we got to broken. Like, we didn't get to broken besides shooting, because we wanted to just test to see how far it got. So we literally took out our guns and shot it. And that was the only time we ever broke any bottles. So other than that, it was basically cracked or 
perfectly good every time for us. So it seems like it takes a lot of shaking to actually break it all the way. Yeah, you again, just make sure you uh, you dock up right. And don't be too silly with them. You know, don't go jumping around throwing them off cliffs for whatever reason. I will say a caveat, though. We didn't do this in the Devil's Roar region. If you did this in the Devil's Roar region with cargo runs, I'm sure, like, the volcano's going off. I'm sure it's a lot easier to break these with the volcanoes going off. I would definitely imagine that. Um, and you're also going to be facing people who are going to be shooting at you and cannons hitting these. Because you, pro- you probably want these on the lowest deck. Um, because, you know, it's closest to center of gravity, so less shaking. You know what I'm trying to say. Right, um, I get you. <laughs> uh, so sort of it's going to shake less, so you want it down there for less movement, so it stays undamaged. But sort of if you get shot at all by um, another player or hit by um, sort of a volcano, most of that damage that's going to be on your bottom deck, uh, which is where the rum is. Um, and we didn't test what happens when you shoot them with a cannonball, but I would imagine they don't fare too well. Yeah, it probably breaks instantly with that. And kind of with the Devil's Roar, too, like like I said, we didn't actually try cargo runs in the Devil's Roar. I'm sure that's so much harder because just imagine if you're carrying some rum back to the ship and then you a geyser picks you up, you fall down. Like, there's no way that rum survives. That rum breaks like instantly when you hit the ground, probably. Yeah, no. It, so. it would be too well there. <laughs> no, it would not. So, it, in the Devil's Roar, I would say, you know, it, you're probably better off to kind of do what we tried to do. Practice this in the other regions first and get a feel for how the cargo runs work and then try in the Devil's Roar because uh, I think you should get a handle on it first before you try in the Devil's Roar. Yeah, I mean, e- even just doing these in the normal area, I found them really enjoyable and sort of a lot better than the other options for Merchant Alliance. Uh, you can make more money, get decent rep from them. You don't have to keep going back to sort of um, outposts. You don't have to worry too much about time because once you start them, you're probably going to have plenty of time to get to a place. Um, so sort of it, it's just more, a much more relaxed Merchant Alliance uh, mission. And, you know, this is the third time they've tried to get them right, because uh, clearly the other the other versions of Merchant Alliance for voyages they've done, that they've been slightly less enjoyable. Um, the snakes, pigs, chickens, that, that's been a bit of a pain, finding the right island, or finding islands with the right pigs or whatever, and then getting them to the right place within the right time, and, you know, that's been a pain, and gathering all the wood and bananas you know you lose out on so many resources it with that that almost wasn't worth it but i i think they finally got it right with the voyages for the merchant alliance um because i i really enjoyed cargo runs and i haven't previously enjoyed merchant alliance as much no i would agree for sure and I think this is more like when I first heard of the Merchant Alliance before the game even came out, like, you know, when I was still playing like the betas way back in like January, February, when I was playing betas, I thought, oh, wow, Merchant Alliance, this sounds so cool. Like I can be a merchant and carry all this cargo across the seas to like different people. This is exactly what I first envisioned. And I'm glad they finally have it because what the original Merchant Alliance was like, it's obviously still in the game, but the way it was done with like the chickens and you know the wood crates and all that stuff, that's not really as in line with what I originally thought. Like these cargo runs, this is exactly what I originally think. Like, you know, oh, I have to get these, you know, 
uh, bottles of rum to the next person and, you know, carry this over across the seas to them. And honestly, I don't know if they'll do it, but I honestly hope they rework the pigs and the chickens and all that stuff. I hope they rework it into the same system as this cargo runs, because I like the whole system for a cargo run a lot better where you don't have to go to civic outposts every time. So I really hope they switch the other things to the same version of this. Yeah. And another good thing about cargo runs is, you know, you're not necessarily going to be staying at outposts. You're out in a lot more islands and you end up finding a whole bunch of bottles, which, you know, it just gives you more missions. So you have a lot to do whilst you're doing them. And if you just want to take a break from them for a second, you know, if you've done like three cargo runs or whatever, and you're like, oh, you know, this get a bit getting a bit boring, you've got plenty of bottles that you've picked up along the way that gives you different kind of missions, you know, you can vary things up a bit, and, you know, you don't have to spend more money on more missions, and, you know, it, it just adds more adventure. Yeah, because you bought, like, three missions, and we did, like, all three of the missions you had before we went back to Napo, so it was really cool to do it that way. I, I think our entire session the other day was only those three missions, but we got so many bottles along the way that we also did... Like we went yeah, because a... we, we found like barrels that had more uh, cargo runs in the barrels, so we didn't yeah. need to buy more. Yeah, and sort of, it just takes you to these places. Um, and we found one small island that had like seven chests on it or something. So through cargo runs, n indirectly, you also make quite a lot of gold. Right, I think it really makes the game more fun that way, because you're doing this cargo run, and in the midst of doing that, you find message in a bottle, you know, oh, this island's right next to where I have to go for the cargo run. Let's go there and, you know, fight these skeleton captains. Oh, there's another island on the way, too. Well, this is on the way, so let's go, go here and dig up the chest. So I think this really makes the game more immersive because it really, you know, gives you more of the feel of the pirate that I think Rare wants this game to have. And I think this really helps the game a lot because it offers a lot more opportunity for you to stay out on long runs and just do a bunch of things at once. And it also gives you a reason to revisit the old places as well. Like, we went back to a lot of the older islands to pick up things, and sort of we only sailed in, in the older area um, to do these cargo runs, but I still had a lot of fun, and sort of almost found new things in the islands looking to, for the people who give us the items, even though I'd been there so many other times just before this DLC. No, I agree. But we actually have one more item we didn't talk about yet. Do you want to tell people a little bit more about Pot of Plants that we haven't talked about? Yeah, so we sort of obviously we didn't touch on Pot of Plants. So what Pot of Plants are, um, obviously it's a plant that you take on your boat and you need to take it to people as per everything. Um, but the way that you look after the plants is that you have to water them. Um, so sort of just with your bucket, you chuck some water on it. Um, so it's quite, what, what we ended up doing is we almost left one bucket of water in the bottom of the boat. So we always had water on hand to chuck onto the plants. So we didn't need to go overboard every time. So there was always sort of water handy to water the plants. Um, unfortunately we didn't get many pot plants. I think we only had one and that was with our first Yeah, mission. we literally had one. That's it. So, so that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, we, we didn't get to do that much testing with it. So I don't know what the different levels are. I'd imagine that the gold increments would be fairly in line with the other ones, sort of going down sort of 100, 150 with a couple of different stages. But I don't know exactly what they are yeah i'd be kind of curious like to test it out and see how long it actually takes for the plant to die without watering it so 
Like, it, it seems like it might take longer to actually die than, like, you know... It, so it seems like the plants, is what I'm trying to say, is it's a lot harder to devalue the plants because the crate of rum, it's really easy to shake it by accident and damage it. The cloth, it's really easy to get it wet and damage it. The plants, like, it, it seems very hard to damage the plants. I mean, so if you get plants, that's probably your best thing to take on cargo runs if you have a choice, which you obviously don't, but plants seem very hard to fail on because it's really easy to keep the plants watered. And even if you don't even think about it, it seems like it takes a while for the plants to actually die because well, the one plant we had, like it didn't even seem like anything was happening to it when we didn't water for a little while. Yeah, we, we quite frequently put water onto it, even though it didn't sort of seem like it needed it. Um, right. So I'm not exactly sure how to tell when it does. We, we also didn't have to take it that far. So we didn't have it on a boat for that long. Yeah, so those might have been factors too. And I know some people I've heard, like what we did with leaving a little bit of water in the bottom of our ship, some people actually leave enough water in the bottom of their ship. That way it goes all the way over the plant. So they just leave the plant literally underwater in the bottom of their ship, which it, it seems like a cool idea. I'm just not sure if it like the plant can drown that way. So I wouldn't be sure if the plant can drown that way. I assume no, but it's worth trying out maybe. Yeah, no, it, 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 I definitely want to know if sort of plants can drown because that, that's one thing I'd be cautious about doing that with. Because um, if you drown it, then you know you lose a bunch of money, and just because you were being lazy. Whereas you don't seem to need to water it that often, so it's not that high maintenance a thing. If you just sort of give it a little bit of water every now and then, then right, yeah. Because in real life, you can obviously drown plants. So like, I would assume you would be able to drown these unless they didn't add that mechanic. Maybe they only have the mechanic of not watering it. So, but yeah. in real life, you can obviously drown plants. I would assume that mechanic might apply, but I'm not sure. We will have to do more testing. Exactly. I mean, I, we really wanted to test the plants more, but unfortunately, we literally only got one. Like every other thing we got, it was either cloth or rum. So like, we're like, well, we'll test out the cloth and rum a lot, but we can't test out the plants. We don't get any. It seemed to always be three rum and one cloth. Yes. But another thing with the plants, too, I, I thought you were kind of crazy when you first picked the one plant we had, because you're telling me, like, I, I can't see. I'm like, well, what is wrong with you? What do you mean you can't see? Do you want to tell people about that? <laughs> well, well, well the, the plants, they cover a good amount of your screen when you're carrying them. So yes. I, I picked up some of this first batch of plants having no idea what to expect and i just suddenly get a large amount of green in my face <laughs> <That's> funny <laughs> so I, I obviously i say uh, i can't see i can't see and derek just has no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah so I, so I start to run back to the ship i'm like look look i will drop this on the ground for you so you can pick it up and find out for yourself what i mean so i so i do and he picks it up and it's just like oh that's what you mean by you can't see. Your, <laughs> yeah. your your vision is heavily obstructed when carrying the plants, which I imagine is the main downside to that. Yeah, it was kind of funny, though, because I had no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, what do you mean you can't see? Like, I'm talking about, like, are you mean in real life you can't see? In the game you can't see? Like, what is going on right now? I'm so confused. Like, <laughs> But yes, the plants do obstruct your view a lot. So it's like really tall and it goes over your character's head, basically. So. You can only see through like a little small opening in the plant. So it does make it kind of harder to carry that way, which I, I do like that touch because I think Rare probably understood that, okay, the plants are probably going to be the easiest. So I'm glad they added this touch to at least make it a little bit more different. 
Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad that there was something. And we do know, we can't say what the damaged plants are worth, but we do know the undamaged ones are worth 350 so any of these items undamaged are worth 350 all of them. So it, it, it is a very good way to make money, and it's an enjoyable new thing to the game. Which I have heard some people saying that it's not worth that much, but... The one thing I would say is that that is true. They're not worth that much compared to like some chests and things you can get. But what I would say for these is it's a lot easier to do more of them at once. So like it, it's a lot quicker to do these. So I think that makes up for it a little bit because in my eyes, going to an island, digging up a chest, going to ba back to an outpost, you know, cashing them all in, going to fight some skeleton captains, you know, killing them, taking the skulls, going back to an outpost, like... This is a lot faster, and I think that's why it is a little bit more balanced, and I think that it is it feels fair to me having it, you know, only 350, because you don't have to go to an outpost every time, so you're not risking encounters as much, so if you don't like PvP as much, like I don't, then this might be a better option, because you're not taking as much risk, so I think that is a fair cost, because... You're going to these little islands that no one's going to, and you're delivering stuff and still getting gold without having to risk an outpost. Also, you know how much you're getting. If if you know if you have four four crates or whatever, all worth three fifty, you know you're going to be getting. You know for a fact that if you do it properly, you're going to be getting one thousand four hundred gold. Um, whereas if you do uh, a gold hoarder's voyage, um, you might get two maps. Uh, two, three maps, um, each of which maybe have like one to three marks on each one. Um, those chests, they aren't guaranteed to be anything good, so you could only get, you know, around a hundred for, you know, a castaway chest. You know, for that, you're going to be getting, you know, sort of maybe 900 gold. Maybe. Sort of if, if it's bad, if you get a lot of bad ones. Whereas, Voyages, you know how much you're getting. It's consistent, um, so it's a good way to make gold consistently. Yeah, and it's just really quick, too. R yeah, rather than taking a gamble on the other voyages. Right, because there's a lot less chance that you're going to actually lose this stuff. And, like, say somebody tries to fight you in PvP, well, they're going to think that you're going back to an outpost. They're not going to think, like, oh, he's going to, you know, crooked mass to dump off a plant. Like, <laughs> they're not going to think that. So. Or, or some small sea post, you know. Yeah. Right, exactly. So it, it offers you more chances to get gold than just going to an outpost, which I'd like. And like we said earlier in the episode, too, I think this also, you know, makes more sense having them lower cost only because you're going to have a lot more opportunities to pick up other voyages along the way because you're going to so many different islands with this that, you know, oh, we went to Crooked Mass or we went to, you know, this island over here, like, shark bait cove or whatever island you went to and there's bottles like on the sand obviously messages in a bottle and you're going to find all these messages in a bottle throughout your journey and you're going to find other quests you can do so you can have a voyage that's oh you know go do a gold horse voyage go do this riddle or go kill some skeleton captains so you're going to have all these things along in the way that pile up and by the time you actually finish with the voyage that you started with with the cargo run you're probably going to have, you know, like Monty and I did, we had several chests and several skulls on our boat. So at that point, it made it worth it for us to go back to an outpost and cash those in anyways. Yeah. And, of course, more importantly, you go to more islands, you're more likely to find a rowboat. Yes, and it was definitely fun finding that rowboat as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 
overall, cargo runs worth it. Definitely worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, we definitely talked about this throughout the episode, but I mean, kind of my take on cargo runs for CFPs, like, I-, I think it really opens up the game a lot, honestly. Like, even maybe more so than the Devil's Roar region, because this is a new mechanic for the game that is something that you can use anywhere in the world. You know, you don't have to be just in Devil's Roar to experience the volcanoes. This you can use literally anywhere. And I, I think this really helps the game a lot because it takes what everyone... Well, I personally, I like the Merchant's Alliance already, but for a lot of people, the Merchant's Alliance was something that they consider boring and not fun. I think it helps it for those people, and I think it makes it fun for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. No, sort of, as one as someone who was one of those people, I really enjoyed this. And it made the old world fun as i mentioned sort of we did all of our sailing and cargo runs in the old map we didn't do any in devil's roar but we still had so much fun sort of we went to all the old islands and this just made them more interesting now the only downside i'd say though is now that they have cargo runs in there i can't really see myself doing the old merchants alliance stuff if they don't change it like if they leave the chickens and the pigs and everything the way it is now and they don't change it to the cargo run format i can't really see myself going back to that that much like i think i just stay with cargo runs the whole time like we we picked up one message in a bottle that was one of the old uh merchant alliance uh missions and it was yes there's a wood crate one a wood crate, and we half thought about picking up the wood crate just to have a wood crate rather than doing the mission, because the wood crate is worth more than the gold you would get for turning. Right. So I think that it's best if Rare just changes everything to the Cargo One format, because the Merchants Alliance, like old format, like I don't even know what to call it, but the way that you had to go to an outpost specifically, you had to like pick up the crates first, then you had to go out and get the chickens on an island, and then go back to a different outpost, like. That whole format, it just didn't work as well as the cargo runs works, I think. So I think it would work a lot better if they just molded this into a cargo run format. Like, say they wanted you to get chickens for them, right? You go to wherever the person is, like the cargo runs do, so you just go to whatever island it is. They give you the chicken crates instead of having to go to an outpost. So you get the chicken crates from the random person, and then you take the chicken crates. You catch whatever chickens are on that island already, probably. Like, say it's, I don't know, Devil's Ridge. You find, you know, whatever animal you need on Devil's Ridge. Hopefully it's there. You catch catch the animal and then you sail off to wherever they want you to bring it and you deliver it. So I, I think the system could be reworked pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully we'll you know, cross our fingers that they rework everything that way. But if they don't, I think unfortunately what's going to happen is unfortunately no one's going to be playing the old missions that much and they're just going to be doing cargo runs. and That's it. So yeah, I, I just don't think that the old missions are going to be played that much if they don't switch this over. Yeah, I, I mean, I I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, they tried the old types of missions, it didn't work. They tried again, it didn't work. And they've tried again, and it, it has worked, in my opinion, at least this time. Right, I agree. Because the Gold Hoarders and the Order of Souls missions, those, you know, no one ever had problems with those. So it was just the merchants. And I think they found the right balance for this merchant mission. So I really love the cargo runs. You know, great job on those rare. Yeah, I look forward to doing. Absolutely. I I think the next thing we have to do is try it in the Devil's Roar and see how difficult that is. If you're ready for it. (laughs) Uh, I'm ready to try it out. You know, we'll have some volcanoes hit our bottles of rum and, you know, break them in half. (laughs) We'll see if we can find a few more people 
so we can do a galleon. <laughs> we'll be walking back to like this, you know, vendor that wants the rum with our tails between our leg, and we'll hand them like four boxes of broken rum and be like, sorry, a volcano happened. <laughs> Something like that. We'll be getting yelled at by like some old lady. You know, she'll be like, I wanted my rum. <laughs> Why is the rum gone? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, you know, everything on cargo runs. Um, you know, I hope everyone enjoyed this and uh, I think we um went over everything about them pretty well. So if you unless you have any other thoughts, you know, that, that's pretty much all the thoughts I have on cargo runs. Um, yeah, that's pretty much everything I have to say. Yeah, so I, I appreciate you being on again, Monty, you know, really appreciate it. And hopefully the listeners are, you know, happy to have you back. The ones that did remember you at least. I'm more than happy to be here. <laughs> The two listeners that we have that, you know, listen to episode 25, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that Monty guy, I remember him. (laughs) Because only two listeners listen to episode 25, apparently. (laughs) It it was more than two, but (laughs) (laughs) it it wasn't our most popular episode, though. (laughs) I should take this personally. But if people want to find you, Monty, how can they find you? uh, They can find me... um... On Xbox, uh, De Epic Duck, um, all separate words, no spaces, no, no, there are spaces, there's no capitals. (laughs) Um, You can also find me on Twitter somehow. I think I'm something like MontyD14. I I follow the Plays Experience Twitter, so you can probably find me liking a few of those posts. Yes, and you can also find Monty in our Discord as well. He's one of the moderators in the Discord, so you can find him in there, which I will put that Discord link in the show notes, but you can definitely jump into the Discord and say hello to Monty there and, you know, talk to him about all his plant-carrying ways. Start a a plant revolution. But if you want to contact me, you can contact me on Twitter or my gamertag on Xbox. It's the same exact thing for both. It'll be at Blaze Experience, so capital B-L-A-I-S-E, capital X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E. And you can also contact me via email, theblazeexperience at gmail.com. Like I said, there's Discord as well if you want to talk to me on Discord. And then if you want to find the podcast, you're probably already listening to it, but just in case you want to listen to it a different way, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Acast, Blueberry, Podbean, Radio Public, and many other directories. So we're pretty much in all the directories, except, I believe, Spotify. I'm going to try and get us into Spotify by the end of the month. So, you know, hopefully cross your fingers that we'll be in Spotify by the end of the month. But right now we're not in Spotify. We're in pretty much everything else besides that. And just to reiterate some of the notes we had, our next episode will be the State of Decay podcast on Saturday, like every Saturday. And the next stream, we're going to be doing some Generation Zero Beta. That's the game with the Uh, open world adventure where you fight robots and it's gonna be really cool i think and that will be on thursday it's probably gonna be starting at 8 a.m to around like 10 45 a.m so about a three hour stream because i have to go to an appointment after that but i will also try to stream on friday as well so i'm gonna try and stream as much of the beta as i can so i can get a feel for it and all the listeners can get a feel for it as well so definitely tune into that i think it should be pretty cool but thanks again, Monty, for coming on. I really appreciate you coming back. You know, it's nice to have you back. Once again, thanks for having me. I'm always happy to be here. And definitely don't wait a month again. You know, come back before a month. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> I may even start playing State of Decay. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, he's going to play State of Decay now. I've been trying to get him to play State of Decay for, you know, ages. So we'll see if he can make good on that promise. <laughs> Who knows? But thank you to the listeners for listening. We really appreciate you listening. And definitely leave us some feedback, you know, whether it's email, whether it's leaving a five-star review on iTunes. You know, we really appreciate any feedback. So please leave some feedback however you want to do it. However you want to do it, it's fine with uh, me. Just leave me some feedback and let me know what you think of the show. So. Thank you very much for listening to The Blaze Experience.